okay, you hear the music, you know the show, you're listening to Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And what matters to me, well, today what matters to me is training camp 2018 for the National Football League. It has started. Uh, teams have uh, reported, and uh, soon we'll see the equipment and uh, everybody be ready to go. But it is time for some dreams to come true. There have been some people out there that have been waiting their entire lives to be a part of the National Football League. They've been drafted. They've been signed as free agents. Uh, they've been signed as draft picks. Uh, there are people who have come from other teams and moved around. Certainly a team that we know has experienced a lot of that is the Cleveland Browns, who are experiencing some new veterans on their team and the possibility that the team will improve tremendously. Uh, this year I'm very excited about that myself. Uh, you know that heart is half and half, half Eagles, half Browns. So, uh, but really happy uh, for the uh, for the young kids. And 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 uh, let me just start right there, uh, because it, it, that's what it's about. It's about uh, dreams, lifetime dreams coming true, things that you've been waiting on your entire life. And what really got me excited about this is uh, I just so happened to be shout out to James Loving, who uh, loving that sports here on. The, Voice America Network, uh, James, a former uh, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, had a camp up in um, Chicago, right outside of Chicago, and uh, Robbins, I believe it is, and they invited me over to the camp, and, and I had an opportunity to see uh, young kids from the age, I think, of, of 9 through 13, and to look in the eyes of these young people, and to see so much promise, opportunity, and, and some of them had potential. It, it was there, uh, and it was uh, it was obvious. You know, it's one thing about it; it's it's just similar to what happens when you get older. And, and I've always said this that I thought there were players, uh, if given the opportunity, they could do a good job of bringing people together and, and putting teams together. That's why I really don't understand why some of these general managers and and some of these scouts in the National Football League um, they miss the opportunity to pick some really good people. Because if you know talent, you can see talent. Once you've been involved at that level, when you see talent, I mean, I actually could watch a person walk up to a basketball court or walk onto a football field and just look at them and decide if I want them on my team or not. It could be, a, you know, an eye for talent, they call that, you know, God bless me with it. But I tell you what, I, I can do that. And so... Uh, as I was in uh, Minnesota, uh, I'm sorry, as I was in Chicago with James, uh, I saw a couple guys out there that looked like they had talent. They had the potential that if somebody worked with them, that they eventually be, could become college football players. And if they developed well and they improved it at the college level, that it wouldn't surprise me if one day they became a professional athlete. But you, but that potential has to be there. You have to see it at a young age, and not too young. Certainly by the time they're you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, you, you can see something there. They've got a gift, a natural talent, that if they just continue to hone those skills and work and train, you know, it'll, it's just like everything else. When you see the potentials there, there, there are children today. Shout out to... LeBron James for opening his I Promise School in Akron, Ohio. Uh, there are young people. I thank God I raised one of those millennials that was special and gifted in school, and, and she did an outstanding job. You can see the talent in an 
and a person in the corporate world, you can see potential. You know who has leadership potential. You just got to continue to hone and support that, encourage that, and they'll excel. There are very few people, whether it's in sports or in life, that you just look at them and they become extremely successful and you're like, wow, I never thought that person would have ever made it. You know, and, and the thing about athletics is that there are people who have talent. I, I've been there. They, you know, people might have told me that, you know, I, I wasn't fast enough or I wasn't big enough or maybe I shouldn't go to Ohio State. There are always the, the naysayers, the doubters that are going to be there. These young men going into training camp, there are so many of these young men that are going into training camp in the NFL teams that have been told that they weren't good enough. You know, some of the quarterbacks were upset because one of the quarterback, our quarterback here in Arizona was upset because he, he, he wasn't picked higher. Thought he should have been the first quarterback drafted. To me, I think that's a, that's a bit arrogant. You know, you, you know you, they didn't forget you. You got your chance. I think Eminem said it back in the day. You just get one chance. You, you know, you get your one chance. That's all you want. You got the chance now. Don't make a difference where you got drafted at. I might even be speaking to some of those people out there now who are future NFL players or those who are in training camp now. Forget where you were drafted. That don't make a difference right now with the exception of the fact there's going to be talking heads that will be looking at you and because of where you were drafted, they might expect more out of you. But in terms of you trying to make a team, you don't give a Hoot as to where you were drafted at. You're in training camp now. You got a helmet. You're on the team. This is, all, this is something else I like to tell everybody. This is just me, how I look at it. From this perspective right now, anybody who is on an NFL team who has a helmet, a jersey, and shoulder pads, and some cleats right now, you are on a team. So you right now have reached the point in your life Whereas from this day forward, you could always tell people that you used to play for an NFL team. It's just it's, it's, it's the truth. If, if you make it or you don't make it, ah, that's OK. But currently you are a member of a National Football League team. So you will always be able to say when you're older. Yeah, you were former Philadelphia Eagle, Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, San Francisco 49ers. You could say to them, I used to play for the 49ers. Now, the fact that you got released it's no different than anything else everybody's going to be released from a team at some point in time some people the career lasts longer than others but if it gets to the point where you got a uniform you got a locker you were on that team you made the team for a portion of you know of the training camp but you were on the team so don't discredit what you accomplished that's why you should be proud if you're there now and you should feel like, okay, I'm here now, but I, I want to stay. I want this job for a long time. I had mine for seven years. Got hurt. Things happen. Chances are your career is going to end. The majority of careers end because of injury or you are released. You're cut. That's just how it happened. That's how it plays out. Very few people get a chance to walk away from the game on their own terms and conditions. Very few people did do that. Barry Sanders and Jim Brown are, are two that I remember that did it on their own terms, maybe and prematurely, because they still, I believe they were still at their best when they walked away from the game. Jim was at his best still. Barry was performing at his best still. There were some records Barry could have, 
you know, just demolished if he'd have stayed there. He didn't do it. But that, that, that's just, let's just go back and, and, and talk a little bit, if you will, about these kids that I saw and the potential that I see in these kids, because I want kids all over the world to know that this is the day that they look forward to training camp, getting into a training camp. And think about all the hard work that you have to put in that you should have put in. Because that's another thing. You can always tell by the resume as to those that are going to be successful too. Have they been successful prior to this training camp? And then, you know, how did they approach their job? Did they, did they work hard? Do they have a reputation? Their resume, do they have a reputation of being a hard worker, willing to work harder than everybody else? Did they set an example? Did they lead their team by example? Those are all things you'll have to do when you go into training camp. I don't care what you used to do. You got to move everything up another notch now and, and do better. This is what Leonard Toast told me. I signed a contract, played for the Philadelphia Eagles. At that time, I was the highest paid defensive back in the history of the, National Fo- of the Philadelphia Eagles in the National Football League. So Leonard Toast is looking at me like, you're making all this money, which is just pennies on the dollar right now. And I told him, he came in the locker room, we playing, I think it might have been a preseason or a regular season game. It was a game. And he came on and shook my hand as he went and shook everybody's hand, you know, had his guy next to him, who I'm sure was telling him everybody's names because I'm not sure Leonard knew everybody's name. But I will say this. I told him I'd do my best. He said, do better than your best. That's what they're looking for. Your best, okay. That was your best, okay. I need you to do better than that. I was prepared to do that, and, and I did. I did improve. But just so you'll know what the expectations are, what you've done in the past is okay, but you've got to improve on that. So today's best, next week's best has got to be better than the week before. Today's best practice, next to the next day's practice has got to be better. Never, never forget training camp, too. I got a training camp story I'm going to tell you when we come back. We've got to take a break. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. 
Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rayola Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me? Training Camp 2018. 2018. Training Camp for the National Football League and I tell you what, boy, that's a, that's a beautiful and a great experience to have. Um, you get a chance to go to training camp, and that means you're part of a National Football League team. Somebody walks up to you and say, um, I'm sorry, uh, what's your name? What do, you, what do you do now? Oh, my name is such and such. I play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Beautiful feeling. Long time ago for me, 37 years ago, but I – We'll never forget that time and that date. But um, an opportunity to be a part of the National Football League is a dream come true for a lot of people. You've got to work your best. You've got to do better than your best. That's what's expected of you. And uh, as I said, I've had those experiences before. Uh, Owner telling me directly to my face, no, I want you to do better than your best. I'll never forget also in training camp, um, Fred Bruni was our coach. Uh, Fred Bruni was a the defensive back coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, my good friend Herman Edwards, who is now the head coach for the Arizona State University uh, football team, um, was in that locker room. And uh, for me, it was a team that had just come off a Super Bowl loss to the Raiders. Uh, and it was going to be a challenge to make that team. And, uh, and I knew I had to work my butt off. And there was a time where um, during training camp, Fred Bruni had come to me and said to me, he said to me, he said, Ray, uh, I need to speak to you for a second. And, and he pulled me aside. And he said, listen, um, I need you to go out here today and I need you to bust your ass. He said, uh, last night when we were in, and I may have told this story before here, but last night when we were, coaches were reviewing film and we were making our decisions about cuts, your name, not that he brought it up, he said, but your name came up. And obviously he was able to fight for me because he saw potential and I, I wasn't released because what happens in the National Football League is you go to sleep at night, you wake up the next morning, either the Turk knocks on your door or there is a piece of paper that slid up under the door with your name on it, tells you to come on down to the room. But you're going to be watching Hard Knocks, the Cleveland Browns Hard Knocks. You'll get a chance to see how that's happened. I, I, I am not a fan of Hard Knocks. 
And there's a reason why I'm not a fan of hard knocks. I just do not think that the humiliation that a person feels when they're fired is something that should be entertaining. It's not entertainment. That's somebody's life. Those people may need to be on suicide watch. It's, they're devastated. And, and for entertainment purposes, we want to take a camera into a room where a coach is, or, or general manager or, or, or somebody in the player personnel department is going to tell a young man that your dreams have just been, have come to an end. It's over. You're done. We're getting rid of you. You played your last, you, your, your last practice was yesterday. You were done. That is not entertainment. I'm happy that the Cleveland Browns, some exposures coming to the Cleveland Browns football team, but I am not happy about that aspect of it being a part of hard knocks. Just think about every individual out there. Hum and see, there's parts of this game where we talk about, and I've talked about it before, where the human element is compromised. These are human beings. Imagine if your boss brought you into the office and said that you are fired and a camera is there. Who wants that? Who wants to be humiliated in front of the world? Nobody. I answered that. That was a rhetorical question, but I, I, I went ahead and answered it so you all know. Nobody wants to go through that. So sure, there's the, the, there's the, you know, the upside of things. Yeah, you want people to see that, but who wants to be humiliated in front of the world? Nobody. I'm not for that. I'm, I'm totally against that aspect of hard knocks. I'm sure we're going to see some of it. That part, no, don't do that. So when, when Fred Bruni came to me and told me, Ray, last night we were considered, we were the consideration of cuts, you were being considered as someone that we might cut. So I need you to go out here today and I need you to work your ass off and knock as many heads off as you can. <laughs> you know, I'm paraphrasing it, but he just told me to go out there with the exception of uh, Wilbur Montgomery. Don't touch Wilbur Montgomery. Everybody else, fair game. Wilbur Montgomery, do not hit Wilbur. Wilbur, of course, was, um, you know, at that time, all-time leading rusher for the Philadelphia Eagles and, and probably the best player, without a doubt, on our team. He was the most valuable player of the Philadelphia Eagles football team. That's why the coach told me, well, there's other people out here. I want you to go ahead and take them out. Wilbur, don't touch him. Don't mess with Wilbur. We know where our money is. And so I went out there. I didn't have the opportunity. I mean, I'm not going to go out there and just hit one of my teammates for the purpose of just hitting them. But there, there was, you know, I was, I was bought there to hit. I, I was one of those people that that was part, that was my game. I, I was, that's what I was known for, hitting. And so Fred wanted me to put that on display to remind the coaches of, you know, this is why we bought this young man here. You see that right there? And so, but that practice it didn't present itself where I was able to get one of them shots and I didn't take one just, you know, for a personal file in practice. I, I wasn't going to do that, but it worked out. I made the team and continued to stay there for five years until Buddy Ryan came. But but again, this is the time of year. I love when this happens because I get a chance to just to reminisce but to also, you know, bring it to the attention of some people that, you know, there's a time where, you know, dreams do come true. And the draft being drafted is, is one part of your dream. Going to training camp is another part of your dream. And then there's a there's another part, another component to this, 
where you actually where the final roster is chosen and you're on that roster. But right now, it's a day-to-day thing. It's a day-to-day thing. You could wake up any morning and you could be cut. And I and I I just want you to know how important this is because these young men that I saw, it's it's a stage that every one of the people that are playing in the National Football League now, they didn't all play football at that age. There's some guys who go to college and play basketball and then end up playing pro football. But I, but I also wanted to say, as I told these young men at the camp, James Loving Camp in Robbins, right outside of Chicago last weekend, the fact of the matter is that when I was drafted to play football for the Philadelphia Eagles and when I walked into training camp in 1981, previously spending my four years at The Ohio State University, I was playing, I lined up to play a position, the eighth position I'd ever played in my life. The eighth position that I'd ever played in my life. And when I lined up to play strong safety for the Philadelphia Eagles, I had never in my life ever played strong safety before. Never. It was the eighth position that I'd ever played, but it was the first time that I'd ever played it in my life. I lined up at strong safety. So I'm saying that to, to, to let those young men know that I just had a great time with, spend hours with them, trying to critique their performance, give them a little words of inspiration, teach them a little bit. Guys, listen, it's a combination of positions that will get you to master one. So for me, start off quarterback, did some running back, wide receiver, tight end, on the defensive side of the ball, corner, outside linebacker. Had to, had to do those things. And then I got to the NFL and said, okay, we want to we make you a safety. And what, what could I say to them? Could I say to them, you think I said to them, no, I, I've never played safety. I don't want to play that. No. I lined my butt up and gave them the best that I had at strong safety, a position that I knew nothing about other than this. I played college with a man by the name, a young man by the name of Todd Anthony Bell. I remembered because I knew everybody's position. But I also remembered in my mind how Todd played the position. As, a, as aggressive as anybody I've ever seen played a position of strong safety. I then reprogrammed myself, put a little linebacker in me, put a little corner in me, and combined a little linebacker and a little corner, become a strong safety. Took those two attitudes, those two positions together and brought them together. And then took the receiver part of me to remember how to catch the ball. Because this one of the little kids at camp told me this, and I want you parents to understand that there's a lot of different people to tell your kids a lot of different things. But for them to listen to the coach that they currently are playing for, don't have your kids go to a coach and have them tell the coach what somebody else told them to do when a coach is telling them what to do at that moment. Do not have him say, well, this coach told me to do this. I, that coach is not your coach at that time. We had kids that were in training camp, and, or I'm sorry, in our little camp, that was telling us that they were told to, to knock the ball down. 
and I'm I'm a defensive back and they always say this about defensive backs and it's offensive that the reason why you're a defensive back is because you can't catch and I haven't been a receiver previously I took offense to that because I tried to catch every ball I can I, I today even today to this date on my way to the studio I was thinking about something one of the plays in my life that I never made that probably could have been one of the best plays I've ever made but I didn't make the play because I acted like a defensive back instead of acting like a receiver. And it was a game that we played against the, uh, as the Browns. We played the Jets in the AFC playoff game. And they ran like a flea flicker on us. And the receiver came from the other side. It really wasn't my man. But I showed up in the picture because I went through my progressions. And then I looked over there and it's like, okay, well, this guy's running down the field. He's wide open. That doesn't mean that I can't at least make an attempt to make a play on the ball or something. But I, did, I didn't make an attempt on the ball. I went to a position where but the dude was in the end zone and I got there so fast not thinking that I was going to be able to get there before the ball and I basically did but I didn't look back I didn't play the ball I played the man and I should have played the ball you play the ball you don't play the man you get your eye on the man you line the man up but you play the ball you always want to play the ball so if you got a chance to go after you can go after the ball just like he can as a receiver you, you are entitled to catch the ball and intercept the ball at all times I always tell guys, don't knock the ball down because if you knock it down, if it's not third down and then it goes to the fourth down, th then those guys are going to get another play. If it's first or second down and you knock the ball down, they get another play. If it's third down and you intercept it on third down, then th th the fourth down, they don't get the punter to change the field position. You get the ball for your team, better position, less downs for them. I'm sending a message to every young man out there now playing the game of football. If you're on defense, every single time you get a chance to make an interception, make the interception. Never knock it down. Don't knock it down. Even when you're in the end zone and they, they throw the Hail Marys. I'm not for that either. Not just knocking it down. They tell you to knock it down. If you can catch the ball, catch the damn ball every time you get a chance. That's the bottom line. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. When your coach tells you to Knock him out. Knock him out. It's okay. Now, you got to understand what he says. Now, he's not necessarily saying knock him out, knock him out, but he's saying put a good hit on him. You got to understand the terminology that's used in football. Things you say because you've been around the game enough, you know what the coach is really saying. So if he tells you to knock, you knock his ass out. He doesn't necessarily mean to knock him out, but he means to hit him hard. He's not really telling you to knock a kid out. It's just football jargon. That, that's, that's what they use. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and I wanted to tell that funny story. I just wanted to use that because there's really a funny story that I should tell you, but we don't have time here on the air for me to sh share that story with you about somebody else who didn't understand some cultural remarks and uh, got themselves in trouble, um, blow the place up, and next thing you know, they, they were you know being held up by the police because they said, to blow it up but anyway uh so here's what i all i want to do let me get back because i went on a ramble there but fred bruni told me to go out and to do my best in that practice because there was a consideration of letting me go i had to do that when a coach tells you to go out and to take him, knock him out, knock his ass out or whatever you know he means you to put a lick on him doesn't necessarily mean for you to knock him out and the reason why I want to say that is because now we've got some serious issues with head 
trauma and head-to-head contact. And, and the, the league has really stepped up. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about head-to-head collisions and, and what I believe about using your head when you play football. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like a man. We'll take a break and be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me, 2018 NFL training camp has started. And I'm so happy because dreams have come true, at least in part. Guys have got a chance. They've got a helmet. They've got a locker. They've got a jersey. They've got an identity. They are now professional football players. And they've got to now just hold on to that dream and continue to excel and do the things that they need to do to make them the best that they possibly can do. One thing that they're going to have to do is make the suggestion when we go in because now it's they're getting very, very serious about this game. They've done the research. They understand that they can't continue to play this game as physical as they have played this game. Now, I was watching one of the big boy shows today, and there was a young lady on there, and she was, you know, talking about, you know, guys using their head and, and not intentionally using their head. No, guys use their heads intentionally. I've been one of those guys. I can tell you now that I've been one of those players that backpedal, plant, and drive, and when I plant and drive, I've zeroed in on somebody's helmet, and I've gone directly to the helmet, and I've hit head to head. I was taught to do that. I was trained to do that. That's where I was told to hit him at in the head, not to hit him in the shoulder. In fact, 
you know, I was criticized when I hit him in the shoulder. And I, I, I have witnesses who sat in the same rooms who would sit here and tell you the same thing on, the same, on this show with me. In fact, I'll probably have a couple more on this sometime so we can talk about this. Because this is the way people were trained. This is what they were trained to do. To hit like that. That's, why, that's what happened years ago because there were some of us who did that. I'm sure if you had Ronnie, if Ronnie Lott was sitting right here, Ronnie would tell you, no, man, I, you know, I was trying to hit you in the head. I wasn't trying to hit you, you know, anyplace else. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, take you out. Knock you out. Yeah, there are times where, you know, players are trying to knock each other out. Right. So, so, so let, me, let me just say this, that the game can be played differently, though. Here's the thing about it. Anytime that you go anywhere in the United States of America in particular, and you see kids playing tackle football on grass, if they're really good, there are some people out there that are really good, that are really aggressive, when they play tackle football on grass. I mean, they are aggressive. They're, you know, just like you fear people on the football field when they got equipment on, there's people that you fear when you're playing tackle football without equipment on. They hit hard. I, I used to do it. You're very aggressive. But you tackle. And that's why I'm saying that I, am, I will advocate for those people out there who want to do it against those who say you can't do it because you can play football without using your head to tackle. You can wrap your arms up. God rest his soul. There's a man in heaven right now by the name of Dave Adolph, who was the defensive coordinator when I played for the Cleveland Browns. And again, Dave was one of those people that believed that when you played football, when you made a tackle, that you should use your arms at all times. And there was a time, there was a game, or maybe a couple games, where he felt as if I, you know, gave an example in the game that he was going to share with the rest of the team. And so he, you know, I could hear him saying it now. You know, I, I make the tackle, and as I make the tackle, make the contact, then arms, my arms would go around the guy. And he could hear, he, 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 I could hear him saying now, Ray, arms, arms. Arms. That's that's what he was emphasizing, because there are NFL backs that if you don't tackle them and use your arms to wrap them up, then you're not going to bring them down to the ground. There's some guys that when you try to hit them with your form and your shoulder and try to knock them around, you know, it's one of those things where they kind of bounce, you know, they kind of bounce around and they got great balance. And so they could put their hands down, you knock them back, they put their hands down, they don't go to the ground, and then they keep running. But then there are also guys, you'll hear them talk about running backs in the NFL where you can't arm tackle them because they'll run through arm tackles. So just throwing one arm out there and not bringing the other arm and, and using part of your body, your chest, you know, wrap them up, you've got to do it. Everything's got to be used. Now, with the exception of... They don't want you to lead with your head first. In particular, they don't want you to have your head down. If you're hitting with the crown of your helmet, which I'm going to say the crown is the top, that's the most dangerous thing you can do. When the top of your, when your head is down and the top, the crown of your helmet hit, makes contact with a person, the force you're running with, that's going to bend your neck down. It's when your neck goes down 
that it pops. Y your neck, it's got the flexibility to go back. So when you hit face to face, that's not as dangerous as when you hit with the top of your helmet. When you hit with the top of your helmet, when you put your hand on top of your head, when you tackle somebody with the top of your helmet because your head is down, that's where the injury happens. When your head is up and you hit, if you hit somebody face to face, that's, you're, you're going to probably knock them out, but that's not going to be the neck and the brain trauma. I don't believe the brain trauma will be as bad. It could be. But certainly when I'm thinking about the neck injury, the breaking of the neck, when that head is down, you hit with that crown, that's bad. Face to face, that's where a lot of the, the you know, I'm sure the concussion is going to come in at, the brain's going to rattle. Yeah, that's, so it's, it's, you just don't want to use the head. You want to just wrap up with your arms. You know, it used to be they used to tell you to put your head in a person's chest. But you got these great running backs out nowadays that you're, you're not going to touch their chest. Every now and then you might get a chance, but a running back doesn't allow you to touch their chest. Back in the day, some running backs used to run straight up. Eric Dickerson, one of the greatest running backs that ever played in the National Football League. He ran straight up. But even then, Eric ran straight up. Eric had a nice stiff arm, and Eric didn't really let you get your helmet in his chest too many times. Every now and then, somebody might get their helmet in his chest. But, but you, you, Eric, nobody, there's never been another Eric Dickerson, somebody who runs up straight up high like Eric, lift his knees up like he did, and as fast as he was, never, only one. There's only one Eric Dickerson. And he, of course, is in Pro Football Hall of Fame. But it's, um, it's, it's, it's a tough thing what the National Football League is doing. But they are trying to tell everybody, we can't continue to play the game like this as physical as it's been with everybody using their helmet because of the fact that we are hurting ourselves. Everybody likes the physicality of the game. Everybody can, you can still get big hits. Like you can, t even though coach used to tell me not to do it, coach was my coach at this time was Pete Carroll. That's form across another man's chest with your head to the side and you catching the right way. Oh, that, that, that's going to do some damage. That's going to take him down. If you run through him with this form and it's very obvious that you bought the form up first. Oh yeah, that's going to do some damage. And then the targeting, when you, when you target, just don't you target with your head. You can run straight at a man your head up to the side, and you could grab, wrap around him and run through him with your shoulders, arms around him, you can still get a good hit on him. Just don't leave with the helmet. That's all. Just don't leave. And you can do it because you do it on the field when you were a little boy. You got to go back to your little boy days when you played tackle football. You got to remember that. I think maybe it's rugby or something like that. I, I don't know enough about it to really try to speak at, like I'm an expert about rugby. But I think, do they tackle too? They go hard. They don't have pads on. That's another kind of football. But here, all this equipment you got on these big shoulder pads, the shoulder pads have gotten smaller too, but that's okay. You still have pads on them because when you play as a young man, you don't have any pads and you tackle. So if you got the smaller shoulder pads, you can still tackle. Just don't use the head. And I'm telling you that because they're taking too much of your money and they're gonna, pretty soon they'll take your careers. And, and then they'll take football. And when they take your careers and they take football and they take all your money and everything else, the fame, the glory. And it'll happen pretty soon because of 
I think there are enough people out here who collectively can do the research and make the case that this is too dangerous. I don't think it's going to happen, but if you get enough people and, and they've got enough cases, the claim could be that football is dangerous for human beings. They've already pr proved that with the concussion theory. So and it, it, it's not just a theory. This is a theory based upon research, factual research. These things have happened. People's lives have been changed drastically, physically, emotionally, depressed, all other kinds of things. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to continue to see this happen to people. I thank God that I'm still here and I, I'm functioning at a fraction of what I, you know, used to function at, but it's okay. I'm still up, you know, still functioning. Maybe I don't think I'm as sharp as I used to be, but I'm still functioning. So I, I just, you know, I pray that the young men who, you know, who are trying to argue that it's hard and difficult for them to play this game the way they want them to play without using their head. They just. Come on, just really stop and think about it. Because also the other part of that that I, I want to kind of wrap this segment up with was I, I got a neck injury in my seventh year. In the first game, I played all the way to the AFC Championship game. Now in the AFC Championship, I made a tackle and I was temporarily paralyzed. I couldn't move. My body went limp. I prayed and I prayed, came back. But the damage had been done. But, but the point that I'm trying to make is I played an entire season and I didn't know this. I eventually found out I had herniated discs and bone spurs in my neck. But what I did is I, I did not. All of a sudden, I, I was like a wounded animal. I, I never hit anymore. I tackled. I didn't hit anymore. You know, the season before, I had games where I had 18 tackles, 20 tackles. I didn't come anywhere close to that after I was injured. I was afraid. I, didn't, I wasn't that aggressive anymore. A safety getting 18 tackles, 20 tackles. And, and, and another thing I want to leave with these young men that are going to their rookie camp for the first time in the National Football League, you know, you got to step the game up because this is what I want to say to you too about better than your first or each game getting better. The first game I ever started in my life in the National Football League, eight, I made 18 tackles. First time I ever in my life I ever started in the game, I made 18 tackles. As a strong safety. First time I ever started an NFL game, played an NFL game as a, as a strong safety, starting 18 tackles. You can do it. I'm so happy for these guys who get a chance to make their dreams come true. You can do it. I was the next to the last draft pick. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back. Final segment. I'm going to talk a little bit about Jerry Jones. Take a break. We'll be right back. Listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix. Living like it matters. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. What matters to me 2018 NFL training camp has opened. Dreams have come true. Young men are playing in the National Football League for the first times in their life. And I'm so happy for them. It's one of those things that I try to do. I try to encourage every young man who, I'm not a dream killer. Uh, If I had young boys in my life now, if they were mine, would I encourage them to play football? I would support them, but I would not encourage them. I probably, what I mean by that is the encouragement would come from if I were to, first ball I bought them was a basketball. What that I would buy them would be a basketball and, and, a, and a baseball and then maybe a soccer ball. Those are kind of, and a tennis ball. Those are the kind of balls I, you know, I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd buy them a football today because it, the, it's just too dangerous. It's one of those things that, you know, when you're a kid, you do some things that when you become an adult, you look back and say, oh, oh I, I don't want my kids doing that. And, you know, I love the game of football. I'm going to continue to talk about it, watch it, cover it, all that stuff. But, it's you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, hell, I like to watch people out and swim too, but I, I don't know how to swim. So I don't jump, I don't, you know, boating. I love, I'll go out on the boat. I saw my friend, shout out to Doug Donnelly's son. I think it's his birthday. Uh, shout out to uh, young Doug. Um, I think it's his birthday. I think he's about 15, 16 years old. Gonna be a fine, he's a fine young man. I think he's gonna be a fine football player too. Maybe he'll attend the Ohio State University and not don't keep him down there in Texas, Doug. Uh, but anyway, um, they were on a boat. I can't swim. I like to get on big boats so I can't fall off. I don't want to be on a little boat that you know in the water. Nah, I don't want to do that. The waves, you know, rock the boat. No, I want to be on a on a ship. That's what I like to do. I want to be on the ship. But but let me let me just talk about something. There's some, you know, Jerry Jones is in the news. And Jerry Jones is in the news a lot. And there's some things about Jerry Jones that I like, and there's some things that I don't like. And he doesn't care, and I don't care if he doesn't care. But, I, you know, I have a microphone, so I get a chance to talk about it. And, uh, you know, Jerry is a part of a fraternity that I'm a part of. I'll be a, a part of a fraternity probably as, as long as as long as I remain alive, I'm a part of the fraternity. He's a part of fraternity as long as he owns the team. Once he, once he sells, if he sells his team, he's no longer a part of it. He can sell and everybody else can sell their team. I'll still be a part of the National Football League. 
And speaking of that, that kind of reminds me of Demore Smith. D. Smith is an excellent leader for the National Football League Players Association. Some people, you know, he's not perfect, but he's but he's 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 the best I think we've ever had. And he's steady chipping away at at the owners. And you know, because of his background, he's I think he's better prepared than any other leader that we've had because he's he's also an attorney and he understands the law. And so of course the owners were just going to try and change the norms of the National Football League, of which you can't do that once you've already negotiated a collective bargain agreement. You can't just demand players to do certain things, and if they don't, then there's going to be consequences. If that's not part of a collective bargain agreement, then you can't do that. You can't just mandate certain things. And so... D is the type of person, he is, again, reserved, doesn't always holler and scream as loud as everybody else, doesn't always bring the cameras to the office, you know, to discuss things, his perspective, but he, but he handles his business as well as anybody, and I, I appreciate him for, for the work he's done and for the way he's, he's handled some things. Now, it's my understanding now that some of the teams wanted to punish the players or there would be consequences to the players if they didn't adhere to this uh, anthem. Um, I, I don't know what to call it, but it, it's an, a, a, you had to respect the anthem, as they say, show your respect to the anthem, to the national anthem by coming out. Jerry Jones wanted to toe on the line and, and standing and if you didn't do it, you, you certainly weren't going to stay in the locker room because if you did that, you're going to be fined and, 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 and probably suspended or something of that nature. I don't know all the details, but there were going to be consequences that Jerry was just going to, you know, you know put on his players. There's going to be consequences. When you do that, there's, there's consequences. And, you know, I... Um, I spoke to a young man earlier today, Scott Gilchrist. There's a, there's, there's a, a, a Cookie Gilchrist story. I don't know if you guys know about the Cookie Gilchrist story, but do some research on the Cookie Gilchrist story. Cookie Gilchrist was, was a uh, football player in the National Football League, and um, he was a man of, of principle and African-American man who... who, who Believed in standing up for what was right and to confront what was wrong. And in, in the times of which he played, uh, there was a lot of racial discrimination going on. And, and Cookie didn't stand for it. Players were treated differently because of the color of their skin throughout the United States of America. Uh, the National Football League did not always embrace black players. Not always. Shout out to Big Jim Brown, Jim Will Willis, Marion Motley. Shout out to those. Let me just say those three. Bill Willis. I'm sorry. I said Jim. Bill Willis, Jim Brown, and Marion Motley. Cookie Gilchrist. But 
you know, what what some people believe about what the flag stands for and what other people believe, it's a little different. The national anthem, you know, there are multiple verses to that. You should listen to all of them. You hear the word slave in there someplace. You know, some things are just a little bit more sensitive to some people than others. Jerry Jones is about 76 years old. He's maybe if he's not 76, he may be 75. My birthday coming, he's going to be 76. Jerry Jones went to the University of Arkansas. When Jerry Jones was about um, 18 years old in about 1960, uh, and then about uh, in 1968 when Dr. King got killed, he was about 26 years old. Jerry Jones has lived through some times in the United States of America where the same national anthem that he wants all his players to respect. A lot of people lost their lives with people carrying that flag around and because of the flag, they felt they had the right to kill other people that were just color of their skin, the pigmentation of their skin was just different. The people who went to war for that flag that came back and couldn't get jobs, couldn't, get, couldn't go to restaurants and eat, couldn't sit at the counter. Jerry Jones lived through this stuff. Jerry Jones is an old, this, this is not somebody who was just born yesterday. The things that some of the people are fighting for today, saying that, listen, the people fought for wars in this country, didn't fight for wars in this country for people that look like them to be treated like this. Jerry Jones lived in the time of the United States of America when those people went to the Vietnam War. The Vietnam War that we weren't over there fighting for. Our free, we were over there trying to fight for freedoms of other people but we weren't even free here in the United States of America. We're going to talk more about uh, Jerry Jones and Cookie Gilchrist because Scott Gilchrist is going to be on the show with me. And, uh, and Willie will be back. But you've been listening to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network. Of course, I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. We're going to go. So I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.